0: From Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, this is a podcast of KZYX's local coronavirus update for Wednesday, November 18th, 2020, with Ukiah ER doctor, Dr. Drew Colfax, and Alicia Bales. Since the pandemic began, Dr. Colfax has done regular live updates for KZYX listeners on the latest news and numbers and answered questions from
1: callers. Bad news on my TV screen, bad news on the magazines. Bad news on the newspaper. Bad news on the elevator. Bad news on the street. Bad news on my car. Bad news under my feet. Bad news at the bar. All over my clothes. Under my hat. On the radio. In the laundry
0: And good afternoon. It's 3 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon here on KZYX. That means it's time for the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey,
2: Drew. Hello, Alicia. How are you?
0: I'm pretty good. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing quite well, thank you.
0: Good. Not strung out from working too many hospital shifts?
2: I've been off for 48 hours, so my circadian rhythm's almost back into rhythm. Wow, that's fast. So, um, local news. Uh, is you know more of the same, really. 25 new newly diagnosed people in the last 48 hours. Uh, so that's coming in at 12 an hour, which is 12 a day. Um, 12 which an is hour. yeah, not uh-huh. 12 an hour, um, but not we yet. may get there. Um, which is obviously enough to keep us solidly in the purple Uh, we also ran in the county a fairly large number of tests in the last 48 hours there was a bit of a slump over the weekend but we added over 500 in the last 48 hours which is quite encouraging total test count is over 33,000 right now and we're still hovering right around 1200 pending which goes to point that we're really running at about a four to five day lag time um know which is obviously quite long not super helpful for guiding um quarantine and isolation but that is, you know, that's been an ongoing frustration. Hospital utilization in the county remains more or less unchanged. We have eight people in the hospital, none in the ICU. Uh, the case positivity um, is hovering right above 10. Uh, the threshold to get under purple is 8, so we're, you know, well into that. Uh, 10, 10 cases per 100,000 per, per day. Um, and the positivity, the test positivity is 38 seven or thereabouts um which is where it's been frankly for about six to eight weeks and it's interesting to note that the city and i think the state of new york decided to shut their schools down when the positivity tripped over three um and so you know it just tells you know it tells us that we're we got a fairly high you know high level of pervasiveness in this county still not going sideways like a lot of the states uh, east of us but you know still not very very low numbers certainly um california is trending in the wrong direction um still we added uh, about 8500 cases in the last 24 hours alone um up 99 percent over the last two weeks um and most worrisomely um over the last two weeks hospitalization um has increased almost 40 percent for covid um so that's that's a pretty steep rate of climb and i think the next several weeks are going to be pretty tight
0: oh that's upsetting
2: yeah uh and unfortunately the death count has also climbed nationwide not in california um but you know when our when our two-week trend is up 80 percent in this country um we're adding 160,000 cases a day still which is what our average has been over the course of the last week um our death count is now around 1200 in the last 24 hours so you know the the silver lining to having so much COVID in this country is that Pfizer, uh, the the drug, drug company, the big drug company um, that announced preliminary results last week from their phase three trial, actually completed the trial um, just in the past week, uh, which sounds kind of crazy. But the way these trials are set up is they they require enough people to get COVID in the study population to get a statistical robusticity that allows certainty in their analysis and with so many people getting COVID they got to that number very quickly Um, so remarkably they have concluded uh, their phase three trial for this vaccine Um, and they are going to probably apply for emergency use authorization by the end of this week which is great news Uh, the trial actually pointed that it Two was about 95 percent effective at uh, at preventing covid um, and more critically perhaps it was shown to have just as high of efficacy with the elderly population which is fairly unusual um, in most viral vaccines uh, the flu vaccine for example just doesn't work quite as well in the elderly as it does in younger uh, people but this vaccine seems to work just as well that may change a bit but the preliminary data coming out of this trial uh, is quite encouraging
0: can I ask you a couple questions about this vaccine? Sure. Uh, first of all, I've heard commentary about how the trials uh, are too fast, and they're, they're, you know, because we're in an unusual situation here, they're going too fast. And but, but we should be more skeptical because things are, you know, shouldn't be done this quickly in, in normal times. But it sounds like what you're saying is actually the speed is enabled by the fact that so many people have gotten this disease that they actually can do a complete trial?
2: Yeah, no, the, there's the numbers are certainly high enough. Um, the number of people participating in the trial are high enough to prove that it works. Um, and with you know forty thousand people or thereabouts, I think Pfizer had forty-four thousand people, half of whom received the placebo to be sure. But that's still twenty-two thousand people that got two doses of this vaccine, um, and they they've monitored for side effects, and they really haven't seen any dangerous reactions. Now you might when you get it into a million people or a hundred million people. Um, in fact. I won't say you might, I, I'm sure you will, but the speed at which they are able to complete the study really reflects how much COVID we have. Um, and, you know, part of the remarkable thing um, is not just the phase three trials, but actually getting the vaccine from concept to testing phases. You know, all the work that happened in you know, January, February, March, April, May um, really was just remarkably fast and this Pfizer mRNA vaccine actually came out of a small German startup where a couple of uh, husband and wife team sort of recognized this as a global threat back in January and they just canceled a vacation for their entire workforce and went full tilt on this just on their own initiative um and they you know they had the the technology they had the labs to develop it and then they turned to pfizer for you know the billions of dollars it oh. takes oh
0: yeah. um so and i also heard it described as sort of an uh a novel type of vaccine is that true, or is this a vaccine?
2: That- no, it, it is novel. The one out of the one from Pfizer and the one from Moderna are both unusual in that they are messenger RNA vaccines. Um, and so, what they the way they work and uh, excuse me if I sort of get in the weeds a little bit, but the way they work is they inject um, a gene fragment, um, which then triggers our body to recreate um, a protein that mimics the outer um, coat of the coronavirus, sort of the spiky coat that we've seen pictures of, the, the coat that gives it the name corona or crown virus. So they recreate, our body recreates that protein, uh, more or less. And then our body um, is subsequently triggered to produce antibodies against that artificially created protein that we're making. So
0: we never have the virus
2: itself or a dead virus? It's not a dead virus vaccine. This is a completely novel approach, one that had been investigated for years as a potential vaccine uh, strategy, but never had actually come to fruition.
0: Okay, so that makes me think, hmm, if this is the first time they're using this technology in mass, we are going to want to pay attention.
2: Well, and people will, certainly. I mean, you know, they've concluded the phase three trial, but that doesn't mean that they're going to continue to... Uh, monitor for side effects and reactions and frankly you know a lot of the reactions that we see from vaccines are due to the fact that they are live attenuated vaccines or partial vector vaccines and so this one you know the science behind this actually suggests it should be safer um, in terms of triggering adverse reactions than uh, previous generations of vaccines.
0: Well and I guess a lot of people are just at the point where they're willing to to try it because the consequences of not trying it are are awful.
2: Well and frankly Basically, the the consequences, you know, the risks of any vaccine um, are. Really, very, very, very low. Um, and my, I, I like to quip that the risks of driving to your doctor uh, to talk about the safety of vaccine is much higher um, than the vaccine itself. So the risk that you may get in a car crash and go through your windshield um, and decapitate okay, yourself okay, okay. <laughs> is much higher than having one in the million or hundred million vaccine reactions that's actually serious. And so, you know, we're just not very good at at taking in risks as a species unfortunately in the midst of a pandemic um this could be you know frankly the one of the more risky vaccines ever produced and it would still it would still be something that i would you know line up to get because mm-hmm. it's so much safer than the risk of getting covid
0: mm-hmm. all so, right
2: well, and it's it's interesting I, mean, I, I was on a zoom call for three hours yesterday with healthcare providers uh in ukiah and you know one of our one of our th- topics of discussion, I know you'll be shocked, was COVID. Um, and, you know, even now, after eight months, you know, there's still, there's so little that we can offer in terms of in terms of therapeutics. Um, you know, we, we really don't have that many medications. We want to give people stuff um, because we want to do something. There's this pressure to do something, particularly if you have somebody who's really quite sick in front of you. Um, but there's really not data to suggest that anything that we can do or very few things that we can do are helpful um and so seeing this vaccine with this kind of data it's you know this is something that we are clearly going to need to do um just to prevent you know prevent people from coming into the er where we yeah we can give you oxygen we can give steroids to the more seriously sick patients we can intubate people which is a last you know a last hurrah certainly um and there are a few other sort of therapeutics coming down the pike, uh, but you know there's still not a lot that we can do. So it's great that there's this vaccine. As I have said before, the vaccine is you know going to be very effective. But just having the vaccine approved and actually having it available and deployed and distributed and injected into people two weeks apart, twice. Um, that's that's a that's a lot of road between here and there and without any national terrain yeah and without a national strategy it's just you know it's it's a long way off still it really is you know it's the good news is we can see that light um and it's and it's going to slowly get brighter i think it'll be you know feeling quite close by the end of january by february um but the surge that's going to be upon us over the next six to eight weeks is going to be pretty grim
0: all right. Yeah, it sounds like if they just finished their phase three, uh, then it's not far off to have um, the the frontline healthcare workers be getting so. Yeah, apparently,
2: apparently they are going to have um, twenty five million um, doses of the vaccine allocated to the U S. by the end of the year, which is you know six weeks six off. Six weeks. That's right. Um, that's enough for twelve and a half million people it will certainly be prioritized to healthcare workers and you know first responders um just because that's kind of where you need to prevent the illness from spreading um but getting it into the nursing homes and getting it into the elderly you know sort of at risk population that's probably not going to happen till february march still
0: that yeah. that's really close it's really close. It's close. It's close. It's, and in the
2: meantime, we know what we need to do. That's right. And, you know, even Iowa, you know, the governor, with all this blood on her hands after mocking masking mandates, um, suddenly, you know, when the hospitals are completely filled, they they decide a mask might work. Interesting. Right. That seems
0: to be happening all over the Republican-led it's states. It's hard
2: to really continue to call it fake news. Yeah. Um,
0: all right. Well, there's one other thing we wanted to talk about, which is... Um, Preparing, just one. Yeah, more thing so that I, I
2: don't. You, were I, you know, about? one thing that I do as an ER doctor is I have to transfer people out, <laughs> and it's it's always a it's always a hard decision. But when our hospital is full, or when you need a specialist that we don't have in this county, both of which occur fairly regularly, um, then we have to transfer people out. And so one thing my wife and I did uh, was to make sure that our air medicine membership was current, because if you come to the ER and it's full. Um, and you're critically sick. You often have to be flown. I hate flying people. I think it's a terrible use of resources. But the reality is, we don't have enough ground transportation, critical care ground transportation um, in Northern California, um, and we have to rely on the air, air ambulances. Um, and if you don't have insurance, that's a forty to fifty thousand dollar bill. Uh, so I you know i would just make sure you know if i were a listener i would pay the 50 or 60 or 80 dollars it is for a membership i don't know but if our hospitals are going to be filling up over the course of the next six months or six weeks, eh, it's probably a good investment for this year.
0: So um, if you are interested in uh, figuring out if you can get a subscription to it or a membership to a, to CalSTAR or whatever the air CalSTAR, Transport is. they
2: all are linked together. It's a single system now, as I recollect. So it's a single sign-up that sort of gets you in with all of the mm-hmm. air ambulances in Northern California.
0: And that website is airmedcarenetwork.com. So airmedcarenetwork.com. And you can find out more information about at least having that peace of mind if if that's something that interests you yeah all right let's go ahead and open up the phone lines this is the local coronavirus update here on kzyx i'm alicia bales in the studio with dr drew colfax and the studio number here is 707-895-2448 if you'd like to join the conversation it seems people know the number they do because the lines are full 707-895-2448 and let's take our first call Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Did I do that right? I did. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air.
1: Oh, hi. I have two questions, please. Um, I'd like to know what the doctor thinks of the new self-test that's going to be coming out. It's called All-in-One. It's $50, and it's a rapid at-home test.
2: I think I, it, I think I yeah. think it's great. Um, you know, I I really think it, having that distributed and uh, you know available. It's annoying that it's fifty dollars. I mean, I, that's a lot of money to pay for a. You know, a a one and a half dollar test. Um, but uh, the more people get tested, the better it is. It's not quite as good as the as the PCR test that we run in the lab, um, but it's it's probably as good as the Abbott test, uh, which we have run multiple times in which the, the White House and, relied upon.
1: <laughs> and when can we get. When
2: and how can we get this? Ah, I was hoping you would tell me that because I, I, I frankly think that these home tests, you know, the the time from um, development and approval to deployment tends to be fairly variable. So I, I would love to hear um, if somebody's actually gotten a home COVID test um, in hand. Um, so when that happens, let me know. But I haven't seen any. Uh, websites go live with home COVID tests that are going to be turned around and resulted in a timely fashion. What we really need is a dipstick COVID test, a That's piece of it. paper like, really? the, like the urine pregnancy test where, you know, you you it turns positive in two minutes and you, then you know. The technology for that also exists, but there hasn't been any sort of national push to get that distributed. So it could be... Wait, a-
1: let, me, let me ask... Can I ask one more question before you – I want to know about – I have relatives that are going to have their niece come back from college back in, um, I guess it's Michigan. And she said – they said, oh, she's going to take a COVID test, and then she'll fly here on Tuesday before Thanksgiving and then be with the family on Thursday. And I'm just – I'm not going to be there, but I'm just concerned. What do you think of that idea and what tests? Should be taken, and should there be quarantine time?
2: Yeah. So those, the, the, the that scenario that you just laid out is giving healthcare officers, uh, public health officers throughout the country, absolute night terrors. I can guarantee you that because the testing, okay. the testing that she will do before getting on the plane does not render her, you know, any more or less positive of having COVID. Um, and so, and then if she flies back and co cohorts with family members, um, there's really no way you can test yourself out of, you know, the risk that that involves, particularly if she's in a college student. I mean, colleges, particularly private colleges, have the resources to test like mad and have been fairly successful at walling off these outbreaks. But yeah there's no way that sh- that somebody can f- get on a plane get tested either on that end or on this end and then figure that it's okay for them to live in the same house with extended family members that's just going to lead to this significant surge we're going to see about 10 days after Thanksgiving that's that's almost a given at this point because you know frankly yeah. people want to get together with family members and friends i understand that um, i certainly you know, I, I certainly understand. Um, you know, a college student wanting to get together with a family member over a winter break—it's been a stressful time, and sitting in a dorm room by mm-hmm. yourself right. is miserable. Right. I I certainly would urge um, or insist that the multi generational family gatherings just can't happen. It's just too too uh-huh. dangerous so you know the people uh-huh. who are at risk of dying from covid as we know are people with comorbidities or over the age of 65 um and it's just it's not it's not possible to have these uh, multi-generational get-togethers over the holidays it's just really way way too dangerous and frankly this college student doesn't want that on her right she doesn't want to have the sense that she brought covid back to grandpa and now grandpa's on a respirator you know being flown from uh-huh. From here to Napa. That's
1: exactly it. Is there any quarantining that would help if she quarantined
2: Yeah, but th- the problem is most quarantines, the quarantine has to be two weeks, right? And so that's not practical mm-hmm. for anybody that has to do anything, really, right? I mean, uh-huh. it, And then you get on okay. the plane. And then you get on the plane with, you know, 200 people, 300 people, um, hopefully not a uh, Boeing Max, um, but you get on the plane uh-huh. <laughs> um, and... Uh, You know, it's just you're exposed at that point presumptively, and you won't be symptomatic, but you'll be shedding the virus, you know, about 72 hours after you fly. um, And the test won't pick any of that up. You won't know you have COVID till you're back in your dorm in New Jersey, um, having just, you know, flown back across the country again. All right, thanks for
0: that call, caller. I'm sure a lot of people are wondering the same thing.
2: It's a it's a fraught question. I mean, everyone's looking for loopholes
0: too, and they're just simply.
2: And I understand it. I mean, we all are sick of this. We want to get together over the holidays. We want to see family and friends, and you know, there will be a lot of people who do it anyway. And to to those people, um, I would really urge. ...significant restrictions in terms of who you're seeing. Um, It just can't involve at-risk people. Ideally, it would involve people who are in your pod or your bubble, um, or people that are able to quarantine for 10 days or two weeks before you get together. Wearing masks inside is fine. I'm not sure how that would work over a Thanksgiving dinner, so I'm not sure that's really a practical suggestion. Um, But those are some steps that I would insist on sort of taking um, to mitigate the risk of this just being a disaster. Social distancing? Yeah, but how do you get around a Thanksgiving? What's the point of getting together for Thanksgiving if you're going to socially distance? Staying alive? I, I I don't know how many people have that big of a house, frankly. True
0: that, too. True that. Okay, let's take another call. Hey, caller, you're live on the air. Did I lose you? I'm doing
2: really well. well I was was just too (laughs) long-winded. Good
0: afternoon, Collie. You're live on the air. Hi. um, I heard that there
1: is a one-hour turnaround on uh, private tests here in the county. Do you know where those can be obtained?
2: So the... I, I'm not sure there's a private testing center. Um, so I, I'm, if that's what you're referring to, the answer is a hard no. Um, I know that uh, each of the hospitals has testing capacity, and we actually have now a Cepheid, uh, fairly reliable PCR uh, test at uh, Ukiah Adventist Hospital. That returns in about 90 minutes. Um, and it's much better than the Abbott machine that was being run up at Bechtel Creek. Um I think Bechtel Creek's is still running on their Abbott, but it's not a very good test for people who are asymptomatic, and so it just needs to be done for people who have symptoms. Um, if you want to believe those results, um, but I don't know of any sort of private testing center that has a quick turnaround, other than in one of the big healthcare um, facilities.
0: And those are require insurance, and they have a cost well, associated.
2: Well, they certainly have a cost associated. I mean, we don't require insurance in the ER, but sure. you. You get a bill, um, and it's not—it's not a cheap room to rent for an hour.
0: All right, let's take another call. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air.
1: Hi. Good afternoon. There's a new study saying that there's a mouthwash uh, that um, contains the ingredient ingredient, chloride, uh, which is promising signs in the laboratory. It kills the COVID. Um, virus in 30 seconds. Uh, So I was wondering if Dr. Colfax had any any information about this and how would we use it? Like, for example, when we came back from the grocery store or before going to the grocery store?
2: Yeah. So let's just be clear, though. There's also been a lot of internet rumors about how Listerine or sort of -of run-of-the-mill mouthwashes prevent COVID. That is false um and so don't don't think for a minute that anything you can pick up in the stores is going to sterilize your mouth and kill the virus if you inhale it that's just that's not available um yet what you're referring to is a study and there actually have been several different studies coming from several different labs looking at substances that block um the uptake of the virus either um Orally or through the nasal pharynx, Um, those are sprays and solutions that you can swish and spit or just squirt into your nose, and they block the uptake of the virus. The problem is those are all still in fairly early testing phases, Um, and so I just don't see those getting Deployed um, in a timely fashion. I mean, they might finally reach market and be distributed by late spring, um, but I just I don't see them really getting through, getting us through this acute phase. All. Indicators are pointing toward the fact that these vaccines are going to get here before those actually do. Um, but they're very interesting. There was one that was performed on in animal studies that showed almost complete efficacy in in blocking um, viral infections amongst animals um, after just a nasal spray. It's kind of like a flow nase injection in the nostrils, and then they expose these animals to a high concentration of the COVID aerosol, and they. Didn't get it because they couldn't. It couldn't bind. It bind. It blocked the receptor sites. Huh.
0: Interesting. All right. Thanks for that, caller. Let's see if we can get a couple more in. Okay. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Huh. Okay. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air.
1: Oh, great. Hey, I'm wondering if um, on the trials, if they got fifteen thousand placebos and fifteen thousand um, actual uh, vaccines, how do they control for the exposures people get?
2: Yeah, so the, yeah. they don't actually. Um, and just to be clear, I'm pretty sure the Moderna trial was 44,000 participants. Um, and then these people, so they divide them into the placebo and the um, actual vaccine uh, population. And this was a double blinded, placebo controlled trial, so the highest you know type of trial. The people getting the vaccine, the people giving the vaccine, did not know that they're whether they're getting the placebo or the actual medication. Right. Um, and then the people just were sent home um, and were allowed to. Sort sort do everything that we've been doing. Obviously, they were, I'm sure, urged to socially distance and wear face masks and were not told to go out and get COVID. Uh, but then the, and this is why Pfizer had to get involved, because those people all needed to be intensely monitored for um, infection. Um, and so they monitored all these people, these 44,000 people, for signs of infection. And once they got enough infected people in that group of 44,000, um, they were able to conclude the study. And the numbers, I think they only needed about 160 to give it um, the statistical power that it was required. I think mm-hmm. they have about 200 people that got COVID. And of those 200 people, only 10 were in the placebo group. Um, mm-hmm. And none of those 10 actually got seriously ill. Um, so pretty remarkable. If you have 200 people that get sick out of 44,000, um, and you know 95% of those are one who received the actual vaccine versus five percent who got the vaccine but still got sick, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good ratio. Um, and that's why they're able to, you know, declare this to have 94.6% efficacy at preventing the illness. And additionally, as I said, at the top of the half hour, um, you know, it seems to prevent um, serious illness as well, even in those people who do get it um, with the vaccine.
1: All right. Well, time will tell how it works out in the end for sure. Hey, thanks for your, uh, your input, doctor. Take care.
2: Yeah.
0: Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. People. Let's try this one. Good afternoon, caller. You're live on the air. Okay, so this seems to be a phone issue, so we'll just keep trying. Hello, caller. Are you there?
1: I am. Oh,
0: hooray. What's your question?
1: Um, thanks for taking my call and um, I guess I'm a little more concerned about the day after Thanksgiving I think most retailers know that you sell more when the customer gets into the store so my question is is there a way to work possibly with the fire marshal and reduce the maximum occupancy of some of the larger retail stores and second question would be as if people are camping out um, the night before uh, to get into some of these larger stores, are the cities responsible for making sure that they're staying six feet apart and um, masked up?
2: Thank you. Yeah, so those are those are good points and questions. Um, and, you know, we may recollect um, back in – May and June, there were lines in front of stores and a monitor who was acting as sort of a regulator um, letting you in once somebody came out. That kind of faded away over the course of the last several months and I think it would be very good to insist on that coming back particularly during, you know, as, as the car points out on Black Friday. Um, I, for one, would not recommend going near any <laughs> retail establishment uh, for the week after Thanksgiving. Um, but yes, it is the county that could enforce sort of the social distancing um, in lines that may be forming. Um, Each one of these retailers should have a protocol in place to restrict overcrowding. um, And particularly on a Black Friday type of day, they're going to just need to have people um, limiting um, access to the store. I I don't know if that's going to happen. I I hope it does. Um, But my personal recommendation to all of the KZYX listeners is to stay the heck away.
0: Right, and um, patronized your local stores, when you're thinking about that, via the web.
2: Well, via the web or, you know, they, most of them will do car-side delivery okay. of stuff. Um, and call and order ahead. Call an order, but I would stay away from any store during the during the rush hours.
0: Yeah, the lines that I saw wrapping around some stores when that, that everything first kind of happened like that looked a little sketchy to me. People kind of... Pressing against each other.
2: Yeah, I mean, people would stand next. I, I, I stood in a few of those lines, and, you it did. Like, and it seems like the people who are in those lines were, you know, doing a fairly good job of staying six feet apart. Um, some people would be together, but they were clearly there together, um, which is fine. Um, but you know, it's it's all fraught. But you know, yeah. we we need to we need to keep our cars running and our animals fed and fences repaired and haircut oh i haven't had a haircut yet
0: i i haven't had a haircut in over a year it's It's, an excuse for me to not
2: get a haircut this is perfect it's a it's a (laughs) it's a little added benefit of covid for me personally
0: well i i keep hearing um people talking about um oh my gosh i just totally lost my train of thought but i wanted to ask you about it so if it comes back but we're at the end of the show so um Any kind of final words before we head off into the weekend?
2: Well, be safe, um, avoid travel, and uh, continue to do what we've been trying to uh, do for the last eight months, which is wear your mask, wash your hands, socially distance, and if the weather tolerates it, or if you can tolerate the weather, stay outside. Stay outside. Indeed.
0: Well, it was pretty rainy the last couple of days. That was very nice. but I
2: was quite happy to have the rain.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, so on a programming note, we are going to be back on Friday at 2 o'clock for Mendocino County's public health briefing on the coronavirus. So we are going to be live uh, broadcasting the county's live stream. They do that on Facebook Live and YouTube, and we offer it here on the radio, so that those of you who don't have computers or who prefer to just turn on the radio can also access that information. And then, of course, at three o'clock, we will have uh, our public health officer, Dr. Andy Corin, live on the air, available for your questions. So stay tuned for that. If you'd like some more coronavirus information, we've got it. Yes. Here on KZYX, and then you'll be back on Monday.
2: I'll be back. I think I'm going to have to zoom in um, or call in on Monday. And we had talked about maybe making it a one-show week next week.
0: Oh, okay. We can do that. The
2: day before Thanksgiving. Oh, yes,
0: because it's a holiday weekend. Yeah. Because we will be busy not doing anything we'll be busy with our families. sheltering, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. That sounds but, good. And I know uh, the I, county's not doing theirs on Friday either next week. So we'll just, we'll, we'll do a one-show week. You know, we'll
2: see. But.
0: You can, it's okay to have a life. <laughs> I remembered what my question was, though. Yes, go for it. Um, I've heard a lot of people talking about how you can't be black and white. You can't tell people you can't do this. You have to give people options for uh, for what they can do realistically in terms of otherwise, you know, abstinence only just doesn't work. Um, and I feel like we've been pretty black and white on this program in terms of the advice uh, I for have Thanksgiving. Tried to be
2: consistent. Um the problem with this virus is it, you know, it's an evolving target. Um and so our knowledge has really changed um from February. I mean I didn't do my first show and say we shall be wearing masks. I think that took a few weeks. Um but, you know, what we should and should not do um is, you know, I think if you haven't gotten the memo yet, um, then, you know, you're probably not listening to this radio station. So just, you know, keep in mind, listeners, that this is going to end. Uh, It will end. Um, probably by next spring so this holiday season is going to be disappointing um, and I just don't think that there's any way we can navigate around that safely um, particularly and you know I keep harping on this particularly on the multi-generational gatherings that's just a huge huge risk factor and you know a lot of callers rightly point out that all these other things that we're doing have collateral costs closing the schools obviously has an enormous cost um, and you know that does need to be made a priority You know, if you're so depressed or if you're so isolated that you feel you need to go to a friend's house um, and understand the risks Um, and if that friend is somebody who is you know taking the precautions that you're comfortable with I'm not going to tell you not to do that Um, I just you know it needs to be done with some understanding that anything we do whether it go to a grocery store um, a feed store or go to get your car fixed has a little bit of risk right now and has a little bit more risk than it did a year ago
0: and and even a month ago
2: well, certainly, you know the things are climbing for the worst in this state, um, and you know we are back now to numbers that were peaking the end of July, early August. That's kind of where we are on the curve. This is so
0: much more prevalent when you go out. Yes, um, that's so. Because I feel like that the clear messaging, if you really think that it's safer to just not do a Thanksgiving gathering, if that's the safest thing, then that. I feel like it's clear to just well, say certainly, that. it
2: certainly is safest to stay at home. Um you know that that is quite clear and that that has been clear, you know, from the get go. You know, staying at home for Thanksgiving, staying at home for Christmas, you know, can be depressing and I think a lot of us are under a lot of stress and a lot of depression, um, and a lot of grayness and melancholy. Um and so, you know, it needs to be, you know, that recommendation, that clear clear messaging needs to be given with, you know, some understanding that that is not a light recommendation um and i you know i'm not a public health officer um and i don't you know i don't record the public service announcements but i do understand why some of us you know want to do something else and i just think that those of us who are wanting to do something else really need to think long and hard about who you are exposing who you're exposing yourself to who are you are personally going to be exposed to um and what you know what risks that entails um both personally and for people in that in that group
0: Okay, thanks. I was I was just really I've just been really been reflecting on that because I've heard so many people say well you can't just tell people not to do it because they well, just won't can, listen. Well,
2: you can, but I they, they won't listen, right? I mean, just say no to drugs. Look how well that worked, right? Just say no to sex. I mean, yeah. for teenagers that really works well, right? So let's talk about let's talk about preventing STDs. Let's talk about preventing unwanted pregnancies. Um, and, you know, let's talk about how to prevent COVID in a way that actually works. Um, and just saying no Stay at home, lock yourself up, don't go out. Isn't going to work for the majority of us. And you know, there are some things that we should have been saying from the get-go, which is you know, socially distance, wear your face masks. It's insane um, that we opened anything back up at certain points in this, in the trajectory of this pandemic. Um, schools need to be made the top priority. Everything should be shut down that's not absolutely essential until the schools can safely reopen. And you know, that hasn't been a national strategy at all there's been just belly aching that we need to open schools without without control and you can't you can't open a school in the midst of a pandemic because kids are going to get Kids are going to get COVID, and then you have to shut everything down
0: again. And you're not going to be able to shut everything else back down without some sort of financial support from the federal government yeah, to make sure that no, people you are. You have to be a Fortune 500 company do to get
2: that.
0: All right. Well, we could go on and on, and we do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Apparently, because we're well past our half hour. We
0: are. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're gonna say goodbye then. This has been the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Thank you all for being part of the conversation. Thanks, Dr. Dr. Colfax for being here you're welcome
2: thank you we'll be back
0: on monday You've been listening to the local coronavirus update from Z Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ and Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.